Previously on the Twistcast. Last time we had our first part of our Pride Spectacular, where we talked about a lot of the LGBT characters in comic books, as well as highlighting some of the artists and writers that brought them to life. Yeah, yeah, and it was fun. It was a good time. Yeah, it was. It was nice. Jesse got to drive the bus. I know, right? So I'm apparently driving again tonight. So if <laughs> or today, whenever you're listening to this. Um, so if you didn't like me running this show last time. Oh, well. <laughs> Sorry. And if you did like it, stick around. Good news. <laughs> and if you're ambivalent toward it, cool. Stick around anyway. Uh, so uh, in case you're you're new to the show, welcome to the Twist Cast. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. Uh, we're still missing Sam. Uh, love you, Sam. Maybe uh, point. But we've heard from him recently, we- so... We have heard from him. There's been more communication, so he is still alive, at least. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he'll actually uh, work his way back soon for something or other. Yeah, um, at some point. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, anyway, uh, so the way we do things here is we usually start with the news. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. Start, starting with some comic book news. And it feels like we've been going down this path like the last six episodes or something like that. And it sucks. Uh, but we're going to start here and give this man his due. Artist Tim Sale passed away at the age of 66. You don't know who Tim Sale is. Uh, he is an incredibly iconic artist who did things like Batman the Long Halloween, Spider-Man mm-hmm. Blue, like uh, just a ton of uh, of just iconic work. And um, yeah, he got, he got, uh, it was really fast. He got admitted to the hospital with severe illness and then like a day later was gone. So it was... I've been tough. hearing a lot of like these different artists and writers been, that have been passing these last few months, and I don't really know the artists and writers too well. But when I saw this one, I'm like, I actually recognize that name. I know Tim Sale. Like, yeah, I have read his stuff before, so that one did hit a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, and it sucks. So, uh, R.I.P. Tim Sale. Go buy some Tim Sale stuff. Go read some Tim Sale stuff. Do yourself that favor. If you've never read it before, you're in for a treat. And if you've already read it then uh you know it's worth a reread his stuff yeah, is great absolutely all right uh next up we have tom king and clayman's batman catwoman's romance story is finally coming to an end it feels like it's been going on for three and a half years uh it probably has with the amount of delays that they've had they, they've had some delays and like with it being like a max like a, not the max but like a black label series they get a little more leeway jesus christ doing though. black label series like oh yeah like there's haven't... a ton of them Okay, I feel like we haven't heard much news about like new black label stuff in a while. Yeah, yeah, it maybe hasn't been like super prevalent on the on the sites that I used to gather news, but um, yeah, they've been they've been out there. I think there's one right now, an Aquaman one, and it looks gorgeous. Oh, it, it looks sure. it looks re- like very hard tinged. Um, yeah, and I was like, mm, that could be. I'm here for that. That could be kind of nice. Uh, DC's Zatanna and Red Hood are arrive on Webtoon this summer. So we had one of those with the Bat family already, and I think Nightwing had one. I can't remember exactly, but um, yeah, th- those things are insanely fun. Um, so check that out if that's if that's your jam. Oh, yeah, I think I vaguely remember this. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but- so D- DC will be celebrating George Perez with a poster portfolio this November featuring 42 pages of covers, including art from New Teen Titans, which he was iconic on, Wonder Woman, crisis on infinite earths and more um which i mean there's there's going to be some real spectacular posters to get your hands on if that's your jam 
some impressive portfolio there. Some space to get some space to decorate. Pick that bad boy up. Yeah. Uh, Dark Crisis, the summer event from DC, is now a direct sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths, and DC is planning a San Diego Comic Con announcement that will change all you know about Dark Crisis, allegedly. Uh, I don't. I mean, that's going to be pretty easy because I don't know anything about Dark Crisis. Okay. <laughs> um, I handle most of the reading. Um, but there is stuff coming on Mike's my, my stick stack where we have a, a good ton of Dark Crisis tie-ins and stuff like that. Tim Drake is going to be starring in a new Robin ongoing series called Tim Drake Robin. Tim Drake colon Robin. That's the, short uh, and to the point. It sure is. Uh, and it's going to continue a story that started in last year's Batman Urban Legends and DC Pride Tim Drake special. Nice. Um, finally, in uh, comics here, Harley Quinn turns 30 this year, which Already? wow, is fucking crazy. Uh, and DC will be celebrating in September. At the same time, Harley Quinn's only a year older than I am. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy. She feels like she's been around forever, but like she was introduced in the animated series, right? For like you. That- she has been around forever. Yeah, she's been around my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, next up we have Worlds of DC. Worlds. Worlds. Lady Gaga is in early talks to play Harley Quinn. Ding ding ding. Opposite Wacken Phoenix <laughs> in the Todd Phillips upcoming Joker 2, which is going to be a musical sequel. So Jesse, so. I feel like you have some things to say. Sam we all had things to say in our little text chat, but I think I might have been one of the more vocal ones. Um, okay, let's start from the start. Sure. Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. I think that actually could work. She's, pr- I, don't, I haven't seen her in much, but like from what I have seen her in, she's been great. I do like her. And if they do unfortunately go with the musical route, she's got a great voice. Like she'll, she'll be great for that. Why is the sequel in existence though? Yes. And why is it a musical? <laughs> Yes. So I agree with you. I actually think she can be pretty cool. And you know what? Based off of some of her earlier career fashion choices, like it's just quirky enough to fucking mm-hmm. pull it off and pull it off well. Yeah. Why is it like the sequel? Like we don't we don't need a sequel. The, the original did not need a sequel. They told the story of his origin and that was it. <laughs> like you just leave it. You told yeah. an excellent story. You, you did a great character study. Now shut the fuck up and go away. And mm-hmm. then to make it a musical is just like, yo, do you want this movie to fail? Like, how so, badly do you want this movie to fail? Because it's going to. If they wanted to do give Harley Quinn the same treatment that they gave the Joker and give her sort of like an origin story and have Lady Gaga as kind of the centerpiece for that, that's fine. But don't tie the two together unless it's like a brief little thing with like, okay, well, the Joker's here and this is kind of how he creates Harley Quinn essentially. Like, I can see that being the case. And if, like, if they like delve into more like psychosis of Harley Quinn and that, like, she sees the world around her as a musical, then I could see that working. But it's still mm. the question is why? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have a good answer, man. Like, the I, I think even in the episode where we talked about Joker, I was like, I don't want to see a sequel. Like, you said that was, the second we walked out of the theater. Yep. Don't need it. Just leave it right the fuck as it is. And, uh, well, here we go. It's DC. 
Uh, rolling with Harley Quinn news, uh, James Gunn has teased a possible return of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, and we know he's working on Peacemaker season two. So, Mike, a little reun- uh, reunited uh, little, hmm, little cast right there. Yeah. Uh, Jesse. Yes. This is for you. Oh, Warner no. Brothers Discoveries reportedly has no plans to continue working with Ezra Miller after The Flash. And among among the things that they've got going on, uh, they now have uh, child endangerment allegations. So I didn't know that one. <laughs> yeah, that's relatively new. So, uh, yeah. Bye. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm thrilled to get get rid of them bring in grant gustin we're cool <laughs> I, I would take grant gustin i'd honestly i'd take anyone i mean really. new blood would be nice but like if you want to go with the tried and true person bring him in we're fine honestly let's go with wally that like, would actually probably be the smarter move there because kind of as much as i love barry get barry out of the whole scenario because of questionable people mm-hmm. and bring in someone new bring in a wally and tell an interesting Wally story then. There's or plenty of I them. I guess if you want to go older, you can go with original Flash. Jay. Yeah. yeah Jay you can go with Jay or whatever, man. Do yeah, what you got to do. Something different. Just uh, no more Ezra Miller. Like, Please no. It was a mistake up, up top. And then it just got worse. It devolved. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Christoph Beck, who scored Ant-Man and the Wasp, is scoring Shazam Fury of the Gods. So if hmm. you liked the score... And Ant-Man and the Wasp, you'll probably like this one, too. I Green think Lantern. I liked it. I, yeah. I, I mean, it was a Marvel score. It, they're good, but kind of forgettable. <laughs> Most of the time. Sometimes. Uh, Green Lantern writer Mark Guggenheim offers an update on the HBO Max series yes. uh, by saying that he's currently working on the season finale. Okay. I thought this is a little farther along than it is, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, TV's a little different than, than like movies and stuff like that. Like they can still like they can have a lot of stuff shot and like be ready to. Like he's writing the finale right now, and or yeah, I mean, I mean, writing to shooting to airing, it tends it's to move a lot pretty faster. quick. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm still excited to see what this is. I hope yeah, we get more I'm... information at Comic Con. I'm curious if they're if they're going to use like practical effects. On some of those aliens, man, it'd be so fucking sick. Yeah, and we I mean, know they can I, do it because Swamp Thing. I'm gonna keep bringing that up as, <laughs> as often as I can. Yeah, I hope they do. Um, because it's all cosmic stuff, I feel like they're gonna lean a lot more into the special effects. But it's HBO special effects, so I have a little bit more faith in it. And because I, I did, you ever you watched Watchmen, right? And you watched a yeah. lot of other HBO shows. Yeah, so of course. like. That stuff looked good. Like there was a lot of practical, but like there was still a lot of special effects too. And like HBO can do special effects pretty well. So given their budget and the fact that it's TV and everything. Um so I wouldn't be too upset if it was all special, but yeah, practicals definitely does make a difference. Yeah. Uh finally here, uh the Batman uh spinoff Gotham PD at HBO Max got shelved. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, good. <laughs> I, I I was like curious about it, like where are you gonna go? But is what it is. It's gonna go nowhere. That, yeah. That's where it's gonna go. Yeah, it's going straight down the toilet. I'm fine with it. 
Now, with multiversal MCU and their TV stuff, uh, a Thunderbolts movie was officially announced uh, with Jake Schreier set to direct. So do you, do you know much about the Thunderbolts, Jess? Not really. I know that they exist. And from what I've seen like on Twitter, I know that Zemo is like in it. <laughs> so it's usually a... So it started out as just like a team of villains who are basically pretending to be heroes. But then some of them were like, being a hero is actually kind of nice. I'm going to keep being a hero. Hmm. Uh, and it, it's, it's wild. It's wild. It's very fun. And they have very checkered history, and it's very interesting to read. Um, so I'm curious to see how that's going, especially with all the people who are still technically around as villains. Yeah, which not many. <laughs> which makes me mad because there should be so many more villains alive mm-hmm. to make this movie. It's just, I mean, there should be so many more villains alive for many reasons, but... <laughs> agreed. Heroes don't kill. Uh, Wyatt Russell says that he's unsure if he's going to be included in Thunderbolt. So if you're unsure about who Wyatt Russell is, he plays U.S. agent in Falcon and Winter Soldier. And um, he, the, we all had speculated, obviously, he was going to be in it. But he was like, they haven't told me shit. <laughs> you know? I, but then the basic question of where is he going to pop up? Is he going to pop up in, like, Captain America 4? Like, are they saving him for that? Or... I would what? imagine. I would imagine he shows up there, but it's all about when the releases are coming. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, Kevin Feige re- revealed that Marvel Studios will return to San Diego Comic-Con this year and then says that Marvel Studios will reveal plans for the next big saga soon. Okay. Well, it makes sense because it feels like we've kind of just been like meandering and floating around for the past year or two. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, actually. There's no real clear direction of what's happening, which, I mean, it's fine if you want to just explore some different avenues and then kind of come up with something. But at the same time, like... Like, your strength is the connected nature of the universe. Yeah. And it hasn't felt like it's been going anywhere lately. We've talked about that a lot on the Moon Knight episode. Uh, But, I mean, it it does feel like that. It's hard to... Hard to ignore. Uh, Mil- uh, Milan Ray joins Maharshala Ali in the Blade reboot. Uh, you might know her from the Wonder Years reboot that happened. Um, she, we don't know who she's playing yet, so we'll see. Okay, I've still have not watched any of the original Blades. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh man, yeah, we gotta do a series on that. Yeah, I've never watched any of them. Oh man, they're fun. And I almost watched them the other week. I watched at least the first one the other week, but I just didn't. CGI does not hold up. Yeah, it was what late nineties, early two thousands. Oh so. yeah, it does not hold up. Yeah, no, I, I I think I watched something recently that was from that time period. It was like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> that was real bad. Oh, uh, I think it, it was the Scooby Doo movie. Oh, the first oh, yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Was like, ooh, God, you guys, this is uh, this is ugly. This is not acceptable. <laughs> uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume 3 adds Crazy Rich Asians star Nico Santos. Uh, so cool. Marvel Studios is developing a Wonder Man Disney Plus series with Shang-Chi director Destin Daniel Cretton. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. And if they put budget behind it, they can make Wonder Man look amazing. But like, I have some issues right now with what they're doing with current Disney Plus series Miss Marvel. We'll talk about it when we talk about Ms. Marvel in like yeah. two episodes. Um, at least visually. 
it's i'm angry um anyway moving on michael giacchino who you know for mostly doing scores for marvel and disney okay. overall uh confirmed that he's directing marvel's werewolf by night for disney plus I don't know how to feel about that. Like, does he have directing chops? Like, obviously, he understands mood and stuff like that by d- being the being a, uh, a composer. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, uh, I, I guess we'll see. Like, yeah, I, that's probably why they put him on a not massive project. Like, it's, yeah, that was really one where I was really is. hoping I was hoping Moon Knight would pop back up again. I mean, that was kind of where he first popped up, so it makes sense. Yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, speaking of Ms. Marvel, the Ms. Marvel head writer says power changes for the MCU were hotly debated. Uh, I'm sure it will be here as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, uh, we'll when we get that. there, just, just yeah. put a pin in that, come back in like two episodes, and you'll understand everything. Yeah. I've only uh, watched like the first two episodes so far, but I got opinions too so far. <laughs> All right. Final thing here, and it's on the Sony side, so oh, buckle God. up, motherfuckers. Oh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's Craven will be an animal lover and protector of the natural world, uh, according to Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, go ahead and say it, Jesse. What? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't his name literally Craven the Hunter? Yes, and they've been getting dragged on Twitter for this, and it's been my favorite thing. So. <laughs> The studio that first thought it would be good to just make a bunch of spin-off Spider-Man titles with no were, Spider-Man that were middling at best that then decided that we'll do a Morbius title which bombed so badly that it created a whole pool of memes that forced them to re-release it cuz they thought oh it'll do good and then it bombed again <laughs> decided that now they're going to take a character who's all about poaching and hunting and make him animal lover and a protector of the natural world jess moving on (laughs) yeah they don't know what the fuck they're doing all right and uh there's really nothing in video games so uh that's your news hey everybody sam here from the twisted cape if you haven't already done so be sure to check out the twisted capes t public page which we have live right now for you to purchase any and all of your clothing needs with Twisted Cape logos on them. We got shirts, socks, maybe. Wow. We got other shirts with hoods on them, and they have longer sleeves. So warm. We got everything you could ever want with Twisted Cape logos on them. So, again, please be sure to check out the Twisted Cape's Tee Public page. Check out the link in the description, and be sure to pick up your favorite stuff right now. Thanks, everybody. All right. Now we're going to do a uh, Tim Drake breakdown, character breakdown. If you are unfamiliar with that, we just give you a little information on a character. And because it's Pride Month, we're going to go ahead and do it for a Pride character. All right. So let's get into this. So Tim Drake was first introduced in 1989 as the third Robin in the Batman comics. Uh, Tim was at a young age very able or very quickly able to deduce identity of both Batman and Nightwing who at the time was just Robin Uh, and then he closely followed their activities throughout the years after that 
After the death of Jason Todd, Tim was watching Batman a bit more and realized that mm, he might be losing his grip on reality a little bit and might be going a little psychotic. So <laughs> he decided that he might need a Robin to help ground him again. Um, so luckily for him, Batman and uh, Dick Grayson got kidnapped by Two-Face and he was able to step in and save them. Hey, he just proved himself to Batman and he then became the new Robin. Uh, so he distinguishes himself from the previous Robins, um, Dick Grayson being the first one, who was more of the acrobat, and Jason Todd being the second one, who was more of the brute anger sort, uh, as being more of a detective-focused Robin. Um, he proved himself as, uh, as capable a detective as Batman, sometimes even a little bit better. I'd say so, a little, a little better sometimes, too. A little too. better. Um, throughout the years, he's developed a relationship with many people, um, and he struck out on his own as Red Robin in the intervening years as well. And because this is Pride Month and why we're doing this, he also recently came out as bisexual. So uh, as far as his powers and abilities, like other Robins, Tim doesn't possess any actual superpowers. He is, however, a gifted detective, as Jesse said, being able to deduce the identities of several superheroes with nothing more than a single clue. Like the other Robins, he has also been trained in hand-to-hand -hand combat and is a highly skilled martial artist. He also just has an overall gifted intellect, being proficient in various aspects of computer science, chemistry, and forensic science. Batman has even hinted at times that Tim's intellect could even surpass his own. So finally here with some significant stories, Tim was introduced in Batman 436 and has a storied history since. Tim was present during the events of Nightfall, helping to train Batman's temporary replacement and aiding in his recovery after having his back broken by Bane. Tim also has a personal tie to the events of 2004's Identity Crisis in which his father is killed. During the events of 2008's Batman R.I.P., Tim is forced to become the lone protector of Gotham after Bruce loses his mind and disappears, events that directly lead into the events of Final Crisis. Uh, also, if you're curious about the issues where Tim comes out as bisexual, that's in Batman Urban Legends and the previously mentioned Pride special for Tim Drake. So. And he is probably honestly my favorite Robin. Like, I love Dick Grayson, but I mean, Tim Drake. Tim Drake. Dick is better as Nightwing than he ever was Robin. Yeah, that, that definitely. But for being the first Robin, like, he still has a special place oh, in many people's hearts. But, of like, course. he's Tim Drake. <laughs> All right, moving on, uh, we're going to go ahead and do our second half of our Pride Month Spectacular. Jesse. Yeah, so basically what we're going to do here is, uh, since this last episode we talked about comics and writers and stuff, we want to focus a little bit more on the uh, screen and movie adaptations of some of these characters. Basically, we're just going to run through a few of these characters. Some of the, well, a lot of these we're going to have talked about last week already, um, but we're going to talk about how they've been represented on the screen, whether it be a TV series or on the movies, and basically how we feel about that character and whether or not they did a good job representing them. Like, does, do they really like capture who that character is um, sort of aspect? So we're just going to run through a few different characters here um, and just basically just give our thoughts about things it's as simple as that it sure is going to be pretty fun because these are a lot of really kick-ass cool yes. kick-ass characters so the first one we're going to start with is batwoman kate kane yeah so if you're not aware um there was a whole cw series um for batwoman um kate kane was only present in the first season um after ruby rose had some issues with the studio and 
concerns about this and that she left the project uh which i think was good for her <laughs> um yeah uh, good for her had, health yeah good for her well. health we, we um, talked but, a lot about that in news as it was happening yeah um so go back and catch up on some of that if you haven't missed if you missed any of that yeah um but just taking that first season of batwoman into account um how do you feel that they did with portraying kate kane as especially as when it comes to being part of the lgbt community i thought it was damn good dude like i'm obviously i'm not a part of the pride community i want to see mm-hmm. that up front um but i do care like if that makes sense uh, so i i do pay attention it matters to me especially when it's a core piece of who the character is as it is for kate and i thought that i think overall cw did a really good job with a lot of their pride community characters but specifically with kate it, it comes out really strong um the struggles that she had with uh the one girlfriend mm-hmm. um and you know be you know being in the military and you know having to kind of hide who you are but not you know it's 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 tough and i i imagine that that's the struggles are like for people in that community and i felt like it was it was not only interesting to watch but uh it was poignant as well absolutely um so i know a lot of concern that people have when it comes to any sort of representation but especially lgbt representation in media uh is that when writers tend to write these characters unless they actually know what they're talking about they tend to just like really bring it to the forefront of the character and make it that character's sole defining feature yeah. to the point where it's, it's it's overwhelming you're just like okay i get it you're gay <laughs> you don't need to like keep throwing it in my face and i think they did a really good job with her character because yeah, you knew that she was a lesbian, but that wasn't the only thing that she had defining her. She had so much more in her background and there was so much more to her as a person that it she just felt like a normal, natural character. Like not just something that was kind of like shoehorned in as like a, oh, here's a diversity character. No, she felt like a genuine person. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I felt like that was really, really well done. Um, and you know when she's shown up in like animated features too, that like that same thing it feels like it's been carried over, where it's like, oh yeah, okay, so I mean she she's definitely a lesbian, but she's also an insane badass, and you mm-hmm. probably shouldn't piss her off or get the fuck in her way because she'll take you down. <laughs> and Ruby Rose did an amazing job with that last bit. She just that attitude she always had, oh, oh so good. Now I haven't watched the second season, so I can't really speak about the replacement Batwoman. Um, yeah, but I hear it's I, been very good as well. Well, I heard, not good enough to not get canceled, but it mm, was good. Yeah, I heard it was all right. I, I, I did stop watching after the first season, mainly just because I forgot to go back to it, but also just because there were so many other things that mm-hmm. I had to catch up on. Um, but I did hear seasons two and three weren't bad. It just it, They were different. They were very yeah. different from season one. And the show, I think, took a different direction that I think it found its footing going in a different direction after yeah. the first season. That's fine. All right. Let's move on to Mr. John Constantine. <laughs> so uh, we've had a few different media representations for Constantine. Um, I think the first big one that was he in animated stuff before the Keanu Reeves movie movie. I don't maybe in some like just minor like stuff. Yeah. Like- yeah. But like his like first real big thing was I think the Constantine movie from like oh four or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
I've only seen that like once, and that was years ago. We mean to go Same. back and rewatch it. Like right um, when it came out. Yeah, but I I don't think they had any representation there. But None. I don't think yeah, I don't think he was. Was he really out at that point? I mean, were many not many characters? No, I'm pretty sure he'd he'd been out. He'd been out for a while, but it was just like uh like they just kind of wasn't that type of movie it was a very action-focused movie so let's gloss over that one um and he had his own series on i think it was abc for a season nbc nbc one of them one of the c's yeah it was nbc it was nbc yeah okay nbc he had to see uh his own show on nbc that was canceled i think after the first season and then he got uh roped into the legends after that on the cw uh, I never watched his solo show, but from what I saw, as far as flashbacks were concerned in Legends, that was seemed like a pretty interesting show. Dude, and wh- I, knowing how much you love Constantine, yeah. you probably want to go back and watch that, especially I, with Matt Ryan. Like, uh, yeah. is, that, is that his name? Does, yeah, Matt Ryan. His name? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, dude, you, you gotta you gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. It's he's he's delightful. Yeah, <laughs> I it's been one of those things I've been meaning to go back and watch, but um just from my exposure to him in legends and like, especially those flashbacks where they had like half a season dedicated to his whole backstory and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to see a bit more of his bisexuality come out and like, he was having issues with his ex-boyfriend at the time. And like, it was just, I don't know. It was just a different side to the character that you don't normally see. Cause like you always get that smarmy smart ass all the time. But like seeing this like caring side of him and to just see that representation of his sexuality on top of it, it was just it's something that I really want to go back and watch because I know that that show focused a little bit more on that and that his relationships and stuff. Yeah, I think I think having Constantine be bisexual, especially on the small screen, is it's just huge. But it, again, like you said about Batwoman, it just, they don't club you in the face with it. It happens. And when you find out it's organic the way that it, you find out, it's just like, oh, okay, well, yeah, this is like, I've been interested in her and then also been interested in him. And we can go back and forth and it's fine. But, you know, it's it's not like, it's not like, bye, 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 mm-hmm. bye, bye, bye. And it's just like, okay, all right, all right man. Okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> it's all about that subtlety and that nuance. Like, you got to toe that line between, okay, we got to let the audience know or it's like, just kind of inform the audience without like throwing it in their face. And I mean, I feel like it's smart to do that about just heterosexuality too. Yeah. Like I don't need to know that you're straight, like all the time. Like you don't have to throw it. Like mm-hmm. just kind of, it's not like you're defining characteristics. Like exactly. All right. So let's move on to Loki. Mm-hmm. So Loki's an interesting character. Um, also identifies as well. I guess we had a debate about this last week. I guess technically bi or pan or I was something. thinking more pan, pan. <laughs> um, just because you know cosmic beings and genders yeah. and whatever. Um, so he got a brief kind of nod at this sexuality in the Loki Disney Plus series. Yeah, it was a very brief, almost a throwaway line, though, which yeah. was a bit. I don't want to say it was an issue for me, but like I felt like they could have done more. It's disappointing, for sure. Yeah, like because that it's part of who the character. Again, we you don't need to throw it in someone's face, but like 
it is still part of who they are. And I, I get that wasn't the point of the show was to really show that, but like to make it more of like a blase throwaway line almost feels a little more insulting than anything. I actually really agree there. Um, like it's, um, it's, it's core to his being, but like, again, it's not like his only thing. So like, if he, if he were, to, first of all, I think they didn't even say it's like the fourth episode. Like it was like, it was like toward the end of the series on top of it. And you're just like, uh, it kind of feels like a, a direct slap in the face with the dead fish. So you're just like, Oh, okay. Well, fuck you too. But I think that's a problem really more inherent to the MCU more than anything else. Exactly. Uh, Cause the, our next character. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there's just not a lot of really good or strong representation just in that universe and Loki was your chance to absolutely nail it and knock it out of the park and do it right. And Tom Hiddleston wanted to, mm-hmm. he really did, but like they, you know, he's at the mercy of whatever the writers are, yeah. are saying and the producers and stuff. So, and the writers and producers are at the mercy of the Disney family friendly image mm-hmm. that they try to cultivate. But even then I think that Disney's trying to branch out. They're just getting a lot of backlash on that they kind are, of stuff. And which it's is- like, which is the problem here just lean in just lean in just do it like, like just, everybody else will catch up later it's, exactly. it's better to do the right thing now and let everybody catch up to you i mean look at dc with constantine and batwoman like they're just going for it they don't care um white canary which we'll get to probably after this next character yeah. like they just lean into it they they don't give a shit they're just like okay well these are who the characters are they are here whether you like it or not so just deal with it all right, so next on this list, we have America Chavez. Uh-huh. Another yes. recent um, introduction into the MCU. Um, she had her debut in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Which is now on Disney Plus, by the way, if you haven't watched it. And if you haven't listened to our episode, go back and listen to that. It's like yeah, watch it and then ago. listen to our episode. Yes. And then watch it again and then listen to our episode again. I do want to watch it again. Like it is, <laughs> I am complete side tangent. I'm getting a brand new TV on Monday. Oh, shit. And that might be one of the first things I watch on there. Yes. Because <laughs> it's going to be amazing. <laughs> anyway, so America Chavez in the comics is um, fully out as a lesbian. Um, and she also is has two mothers on top of it. So she's got a lot of this LGBT sort of stuff surrounding her and her life. And while we got a little bit of that in the movie, uh, you briefly saw her mothers in a flashback scene um, right before they got sucked into a star portal and vanished um (laughs) like you do (laughs) you know as you happen um i feel like they didn't make any mention to her sexuality at all which i feel like is a pretty important part of her character especially if they're gonna move forward with her in the universe and yeah i again wasn't the point of the movie so like i I understand why they wouldn't want to like harp on that but like it is still part of who this person is yeah and it's actually a very big part of of who she is she's she's very proudly and loudly Mm -hmm. out like it's if you've ever read any of america she like is not shy about that shit no um the one thing i got to admit that i did like is that she had a uh pride flag pin on her on her jacket she did the entire time like you don't see her without it and 
you know, being so tied to her mom's like, that's like, that kind of leans into a little bit of it. But again, it's, it's a half measure. Like, give me a little more here, Marvel, because it's important for those families to see themselves on the big screen and the small screen as well. Definitely. Um, I did forget briefly about the pin, but yeah, um, it did seem like it was there as just kind of like, oh, hey, yeah, I mean, cool. Here you go. More than like, okay, this is like who she is. She like embodies this whole personality and whatnot. But I'm hoping that they kind of lean into that moving forward. I don't know if we know or if even they know what her future plans are in the universe just yet. So so I would, I would actually like to see her. Like she seemed a little young, um, so I'm I'm hoping she gets the opportunity to grow into the role. But like, my ideal trajectory for her would be in like a Young Avengers Disney Plus show, or actually even a movie, like a Young Avengers movie, because it's a lot of complex characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think a show might be better because you could really focus more. And if they drop the stupid six episode limit, like you could, you could really dig in a little more um, and then transition her to, to movies as she, as the actress becomes like a full blown adult and works through a lot of who that character is and how she behaves and like how her relationships go. Which aren't always smooth. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that'd be great, but we'll see what they end up doing. I mean, we'll guess we'll find out at Comic Con if they have any current plans for what's happening. I sure hope so. I hope so too. All right, so next let's go with Sarah Lance. Yeah. Um, so back over to DC. Uh, so Sarah Lance, uh, the White Canary in the Legends of Tomorrow series, um, and some Arrow appearances here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah's just fucking amazing. Like, yeah. I'm not going to mince words. She's one of the best parts. She was one of the best parts of that show. And of the whole Arrowverse, in my opinion. Yeah, the whole Arrowverse. Katie Lotz did an amazing job with the character. And then when they started to really lean into the fact that she's bisexual, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's the fact that she they started to lean into that and then the whole relationship with Ava on top of it. Like <laughs> <laughs> that relationship was just that show in general had amazing writing. It was one of the most inclusive superhero properties ever and the writers just knew what they were doing like they made that relationship between sarah and ava just so much fun and emotional yeah yeah super connected uh, about two characters that don't even actually exist in the mainline dcu and you know so white canary had such a a just kick-ass arc starting as black canary um where she was really more into dudes i think and then when uh, she died and then came back and started running around as white canary and i feel like she started her preference shifted more into females which is great i mean that it's just who she is and i think that's where her most successful relationships were um and it was she was just great you know, while it was a big part of who she is, uh, she was still, you know, an assassin level badass mm-hmm. who could fuck shit up and uh, at the same time be goofy and silly and fun. Uh, just one of just God, I miss that show. Oh, I miss I, it. <laughs> that, that was the hardest one to hear that got canceled. Like the rest yeah. of the Arrowverse, whatever. But that show. Oh, 
so heartbreaking. It is. All right. Let's go with Deadpool. Okay. Um, so Deadpool so far, we he's appeared in two and a half-ish movies, we'll call it. <laughs> um and we've got I think we've got like hints and stuff to his pansexuality at this point. Um, but they haven't really leaned into it. Like I feel like that's something I would kind of want to see at Deadpool 3 because it's going to be Disney has already said that it's gonna get the R rating, so like don't worry about that. They'll let them do what they're going to do. But I just feel like they have an opportunity just to have some fun with the character. Mm-hmm. And I just want to see what they can do with this character. Because <laughs> this character will love anyone and anything. <laughs> like, just does not give a fuck. Just not give a shit. At all. So I just want to... The writers for this for those two movies have been just so good so far that I, I want to see what they can do. And I don't even care if it's slightly insulting. Like I just want to see it. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds' performances have also been just a huge part of that. Oh my god, yes. Uh, so like I'm I'm very curious to see how they how they lean into that. It's just I just have a feeling it's going to be fun as shit. Um, anyway, but I really want the I really want the pride representation because you know, that that is important too. And you know Ryan Reynolds is all for it. Like oh yeah, no he's doubt. like one of the coolest dudes in mm-hmm, hollywood mm-hmm. like he is just amazing and yeah. so it, he will do that so well and i'm still looking forward to this and i hope that we get something amazing i did pull through with this yeah i hope i hope that's one of the things they talk about at uh sdcc oh, i hope so too at least a plan with like when they expect to have it to yeah. us but we'll see all right so the next one is a pair we got harley quinn and poison ivy yeah, you almost have to talk about them together. You do, because like that's the power couple right there. Yeah, sure is. Um, one of I think it's a fairly recent relationship within the last like five or six years, I want to say. Yeah, something like that. Um, but it's like become quickly some of people's favorite relationships in any comic mm-hmm. ever. Like people love this pairing. Um, and so the Harley Quinn show on HBO, HBO Max. Um, season three is coming soon, I think. Season three is coming soon, which is great because season one was basically just establishing the character. Season two, you got a lot more of this relationship between Harley and Ivy ending with the season finale where they run off together. So season three is promising to focus on their relationship together. And I'm really curious to see what they do with this because I fucking love Poison Ivy in that show. She's my favorite character. Dude, yes. Yes. And just the writing is just so good and just so weird on that show that they're going to have some fun moments between the two of them moving I forward. And I, I just cannot wait to see what happens. I, and they're both by, right? If I, if I remember correctly. Yes, I believe so. Okay. Cause yeah. Cause, cause Harley was with Joker and mm-hmm. Ivy was with kite man. Hell kite yeah. Man. <laughs> Fucking kite man. <laughs> So yeah, I'm just looking forward to see what they make out of that moving forward. Because knowing them, who the hell knows where they're nope. going to go? Nope. <laughs> no one knows. And and like the the there's there's no leash on that show whatsoever. They're just no. like, oh yeah, you can kill whoever you want, you can do whatever you want, except make Batman eat pussy. Like that's the one line, which is like <laughs> a little sad and selfish. He's a selfish lover, that Batman. Uh, and also fucks bats, apparently. 
<laughs> but All yeah, right, I, so- I do, I do love, um, you know, the journey that they they take to realizing that they are kind of in love with each other. Um, I feel like that was just like the like they were kind of there a little interested in season one, but mm-hmm. they didn't really like go into it because Harley still needed to kind of heal from some stuff. Yeah, and and, and like. And then it changed. They were friends, and then they realized, oh, it's it's way more than that. Um, the whole incident at the mascara, like it, it just <laughs> it branched from there, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it was it's a natural development, and that's what I love about it is that it wasn't just something that they just said, oh, well, we'll just make this a thing now. Um, it was something that actually like naturally formed between the characters. Here's um, my question for you. Yep. Do you think we're gonna get there on the big screen? Harley and Ivy. Like we have no Ivy currently. We don't have an Ivy currently, but I would not be surprised if we don't get that at some point or if we do I want that at some point, yes. <laughs> okay. Like so I cuz I was thinking about it, like think about how Margot Robbie's Harley has evolved, right? Through her film appearances. Starts off with Joker, feels incredibly betrayed by Joker, and then strikes out on her own, starts to heal, right? Mm-hmm. kick-ass arc now start to weave in that poison ivy stuff and man we could be looking at some real fun stuff we could and we know that dc is not afraid to pull the trigger on that sort of thing sure so aren't. like just got to figure out a spot to bring in poison ivy at this point but yeah no i, I, I think that would work very well yeah, that'd be really good all right so these next few we don't have anything set up yet in the screens, um, whether movie or TV, uh, with any of their identities as far as this is concerned. But this is more of what do you want to see out of this? Cool. So with Wiccan uh, moving forward. So he's still very young in the MCU, but I'm assuming they're going to accelerate him and age him up a little bit yeah. soon. Um, assuming that they keep him around just because of how things have been going with the multiverse shenanigans. Where do you want to see this character go? Um, first of all, I just want to see him in general in, in, in the universe out and about playing. And then I definitely want to see him with Hulkling. Like that's, mm-hmm. it's such a great relationship. And anybody who's read young Avengers loves that relationship. It's so good. Um, and just, it's so loving and genuine. Um, just two guys who just really, really love each other. And, uh, I, I that's that's what I need. Like, honestly, I feel like if Marvel's really going to lean in, take the opportunity to make that your starting point. And like you said, like Young Avengers, like you can do Wiccan and Hulkling at the same time that you start bringing in America Chavez some more, yep. and you really start to build up this younger generation of Avengers and get to tell these different stories. And I feel like the younger generation is the best place to start telling more of these LGBT stories because you have a lot more of those LGBT characters and the younger ones tend to resonate more with younger audiences. Exactly. So when we were talking about this before, talking about how your audience ages up with you, right? Mm -hmm. You could start over now knowing that kids now have more freedom to be out, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, so you could give them that representation and young Avengers is the kind of team where they, they're not just like, like early Avengers were just, it was just like a stark white, mostly male team, right? Mm -hmm. Young Avengers is, is not that it is, it is a, a 
color palette of diversity and like yes there's there's cis straight people but then there's all types of people from the pride community and you're just like like oh this is actually really great and realizing that people can see themselves and grow with those characters and then your universe is richer because of it right definitely it gives you more content uh it just it just reaches out to more people and makes more people it it self-servingly gives you more money yeah (laughs) who doesn't want more money disney (laughs) all right next one wonder woman so we've gotten two wonder woman movies recently and then you had the original linda carter series Mm -hmm. um where they haven't really hinted at her other sexuality aspects at all they've kind of focused on just steve trevor up to this point yeah and we know that gal gadot is up for exploring the other side of diana true do you think that in wonder woman 3 they might start to explore this a little more or do you think they're just going to stick with steve trevor some more so i think steve trevor is out personally right um, makes sense you just, you just don't need to bring him back secondly um it's an we talked about this last episode it's an island of women the fuck do you think was happening like steve trevor's special because it's like the first dude she ever really encounters mm-hmm. um but outside of that okay cool I mean, yes it makes sense but do you think they're actually gonna lean into that given what we've gotten in the first two movies so far and kind of the direction they're taking the character so remember at the end of wonder woman 1984 which i tried to shut out of my mind linda carter shows i don't remember (laughs) linda carter shows up leading us to believe that there's more going on with the other with other amazons right like Mm -hmm. you know we know there's amazons out in the wild so maybe you get a little more depth about things on themiscara and relationships between you know hippolyta and somebody else like you mm-hmm. just there's atalanta antiope there's so many different main level characters in in from the wonder woman portion of the universe that are into girls and you have no reason to assume diana is not just lean into that and again this is dc like they're not afraid to lean into that sort of thing mm-hmm. um my only concern is that they've kind of made these two movies built them up to be that Diana is like this just this badass warrior and like she's like this super tough woman and stuff. And I feel like they might be a little hesitant to also then make her um, LGBT on top of it. Like, because it, I, to me, I just feel like they've been like really focused on making this character that everyone can love and like get behind because like she's just like this tough woman. But I feel like as the second you throw an LGBT label onto that into an established character like that, a lot of people are going to be like, wait, hold up. But that's the label's already there. Like It is, but not everyone knows that. True. So true. I feel like that audience that doesn't know that character like that are all of a sudden going to be like, okay, now it just feels like you're just taking this character in a completely weird direction. And that shows that they never knew the character to begin with. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's, that's not a fault on the studio and then that's not a fault on the writers or anything or the character as a, as a whole. Just saying, I, I feel like that might be a reason why they may not. And it sucks. Yeah, that but would be a cowardly reason, though. It would be. Again, I, DC's I been not. been more outspoken about this stuff recently uh, within it's the last few years, so... Yeah. 
I, I feel like they wouldn't be afraid to do that, but that'd be my only concern that would hold them back. Yeah, I agree. All right. And then to wrap this up, we know that at some point the X-Men are going to show up in the MCU. Iceman. My boy Iceman. Oh, yeah. Um, so we we did get Iceman in the original X-Men movies, but at, obviously at that point, the character in the comics hadn't come out yet at all. So I don't expect them to have done that in the movies because it was early 2000s. Like that would have been really taboo. Um, so do you think that if they bring in Iceman with the X-Men, because I, I assume that they will, he'll be one of the first ones they bring in because he's such a well-known one. Do you think they're going to bring him in as he is in the modern day comics being the gay character that he is, or do you think they're going to start him off elsewhere? Honestly, I think and this is this is going to sound kind of counterculture. I'd like to see him start out thinking that he's straight. Okay. Right? Because there are people in this world who do not realize they're actually gay or struggle against it really, really hard. And I think that's a really important story to tell. It is. So I think maybe you start him out thinking that he's straight. And then I don't know how you get him to the realization that he's gay. Cause I don't look, man, X-Men lore is tough. It is tough. I actually want to so, do, we're going to, we're going to do another X-Men month. And okay. uh, especially on this show, we were doing it on a live show before. And I'm good. I just want to get into the, some of the bullshit that happens with X-Men, uh, but we're not doing time travel in the MCU. So not like that. For reference, if you're not aware with the story behind this, or if you didn't happen to catch the last episode, which why not? Um, basically, the way that Iceman comes to terms with the sexuality is that he assumes that he is straight until he meets a time traveling version of himself, of himself, a younger version who the younger version knows that he's gay, sees his older self, and is like, "Wait, you're not? But why not? You you are. You know that, right?" And basically has to come to terms with this aspect of himself that he's been hiding away for years which is complicated to say it the is. least it is and i think that makes a rich character drama like i feel like that's a really complex story that i think audiences can handle i, I, I just don't think that we should be treated like radiants anymore so like yes i would love to see, like if they started him gay fine i'm good with it um but i feel like that story is so important and so cool to tell. <laughs> Ice man, cool. Um, <laughs> I'm trying my best not to do that. <laughs> You're in a podcast with me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which means I have to be the sane one. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's scary. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> I, I think I think that it's it's a cool story to tell, and I think it's an important one to tell. But if you skip it altogether, I think just giving him the empowerment of being a pride community member is. is equally as important so i would have initially said yeah no of course bring him in as gay like that's who he is it's part of his character now but i think you have a point there with the whole coming to terms with it because so many people have gone through that in their lives and so many people have yet to do that or are afraid to do that um and it's such an important story to tell because it is an important aspect of the lgbt community is this concern about not knowing who you are and the fear of being judged by others or the fear of being shunned by others because of who you actually are and just not facing that fact or being afraid to face that fact. It's an important story to tell that many people have gone through in their lives and to see that representation, it not only is it just 
good to see that sort of representation, but it might give people the courage to ask themselves that question of themselves and to actually approach it themselves and to just really become who they are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really important story that needs to be told. So now I can totally get behind that. How they would manage it, I don't know. But... I, I mean, there, there's there's ways. I mean, you can start it off in on big screen, move it into the small screen, and then bring it back to the big screen. Um, it, it's you know, it, there's there's a lot of different storytelling venues. You can even animate it with you just use the the voice actors as the regular actors. Like, there's there's a ton you can do here. Um, the thing for for me is like I don't I don't know if you struggled with that early on before you realized uh, you're part of the product community or whatever. Like I know multiple people who once they came out, like they, they hadn't, you know, they, they, they behaved as if they were straight, whatever, fine. And then when they came out, it was like a weight had been lifted off their shoulders. Mm -hmm. And like, you see the change in a person. You're like, Oh yeah, you're way fucking happier now. Like Mm -hmm. I wish, I wish that you would, you could just go back and reclaim those all those years or months or whatever it is that you didn't know or couldn't accept it about yourself. Like, like my opinion is not going to (laughs) change. Like uh, if I like you, it's, I like you. And if I don't, I don't. And what, what you do with your nether regions is none of my fucking business anyway, you know? But at the same time, I feel like that, like to see Iceman go from that internal struggle over to like a, a more free, and you see in the comic books, like the way he's even illustrated now, like in, in older stuff, he's like kind of tight and reserved despite being portrayed as kind of a loosey goosey carefree character. Mm-hmm. But like now when you see him, like there was one where he was like on Mars recently, which has been colonized by mutants. Look, I'm not going to get into it here because it's is. crazy, but <laughs> you just see him and he's just so relaxed and free. And I, I feel like it's such a conscious decision and it makes sense for the character. And I feel like if they know in advance, that's the, kind of the story they want to do. And you get an actor that can pull that off and like, actually he knows what the plan is moving forward with the character and you actually can portray that sense of like isolation and uncertainty about themselves at the start and then slowly get him to like open up until they finally just like yeah no i accept it and then you get to see that shift in that character i I think that would be a really fascinating thing to watch yeah i'm just i'm just curious about which x-men they're going to use how they're going to use the x-men um like I said, we'll, we'll talk, we'll do, I don't know if we'll do in August or like September, but maybe we'll do just a straight up X-Men month where we get, maybe get some X-Men fans up in this piece and kind of run it down and chat and stuff. So uh, yeah, I think it'll be good. I think there's a lot that we can, we can use. All right. So that was just a rundown of a few of the LGBT characters that we have seen so far, either on TV or in the movies. Um, just kind of how we felt about how the representation, where they could have maybe improved some things, some characters that the writers just nailed and where we would like some of these characters to grow into in the coming years whether or not disney mcu marvel or dc has plans for any of these characters yet we'll find out (laughs) hopefully in a few months at comic-con yeah um but at least away yeah well soon enough yeah so 
that was just a quick dive into some of these characters uh, and that will round out our pride stuff for this year. Um, so if you have not gone back and listened to part one of this series, go back and listen to that. Um, it is out now available for you to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll, we talk about a lot of these same characters, plus a few extra ones that have shown up in the comics, as well as the writers that help bring them to life. Um, and yeah, just thank you for listening to this this two-part series that we've had going uh it means a lot um being a part of the lgbt community myself um it is something that i obviously hold dear and it was uh it was just nice to like share this with people essentially make it so that people know about some of these characters and to bring light to it uh it's something that has been getting more traction recently which is good but it has it's been one of those topics that's had a lot of stigma behind it over the last so many years <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> still continues to have stigma behind it at least my entire lifetime and that's, yeah it's a long time yeah, yeah. <laughs> um hey just call me old motherfucker i mean come on yeah so uh, <laughs> um so yeah just just see some of these characters really starting to come into their own and see this representation of all these different people like there are so many people out there that still struggle with this and still don't really know who they are and to all those people that are still trying to figure out who they are just know that you are who you are it doesn't matter what other people think about you and it it doesn't change who you are as a person the people that you call your friends will still love you no matter what. Um, and basically, if you feel comfortable enough to do it, don't be afraid to take that plunge. Because like, like Mike was just saying, you will feel a massive weight lifted off your shoulders and you will basically ask yourself why you never did it sooner. Um, so yeah, happy pride, everyone. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little I'm teared up a little bit right now. Uh Jesse, that was really beautiful. Um so thanks for for checking out the show, everybody. Uh we'll I'll talk to Jesse. We'll get some some links for the Pride community in the show notes. Don't want to neglect that. That's kind of a big deal. Um next time we're gonna talk about some Thor Love and Thunder. It's gonna be huge. We got a lot of stuff coming down the pike, a lot of really cool shows planned. So hang in there. Enjoy it, and uh, thanks for tuning into Twistcast. So, till next time, I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. Stay twisted.